Good day, beautiful people. We want to thank the dedicated listeners and viewers of Kiko's Freethinkers Forum. We have a current audience outreach of 64 different countries, including all 50 states. Kiko's Freethinkers Forum is available on most podcasting platforms, so subscribe to your podcasting platform of choice and our official YouTube video channel. Consider subscribing and telling your friends and family. And remember, you can't unthink free thought. Good afternoon, beautiful people. Welcome to another episode of Kiko's Free Thinkers Forum. We are joined by a very special guest. Um, the guest and I almost had another Kiko's Free Thinkers Forum before we recorded. So <laughs> you all know who this person is, Professor Matthew Witt. Um, he's at the University of Laverne in Laverne, California. And he's a content specialist for Systemic Frog, an online media platform. He's also a professor of public administration at the so-called the university that I just mentioned, University of Laverne. And we talked about the Ukraine-Russia situation, the war. Um, the last time we talked, he had an article that he had dedicated nine years ago uh, from a 2014 book called Flashpoint in Ukraine. And his chapter was entitled The Labyrinth of Geography in a Time of Imperial Terror. And that's what we talked about on the last episode, which was episode 31. So I encourage my listeners to go back watch or listen to that episode 31 with Matthew Wynn. We talked about a plethora of issues, just like we will today. We've covered an article as well from Greta to, from um, Greta Thunberg um, to the Great Reset. And we're going to talk about that in another one of his articles um, entitled The Other Made Black. And so I just want to say welcome to the show again, Professor Witt, and we appreciate your acceptance of our invitation. Our pleasure, Kiko, anytime. Yes, um, and I noticed that you were one of the subscribers um, because I kind of follow it some. Sometimes it tells me, sometimes it doesn't. And I was so excited when I saw Professor Witt. Um, he's been watching some of the content alongside thousands of listeners and viewers around the world. And so I want to plug that in some because um, the subscribers, I want them to rise, obviously. But I mean it really for information and for exchange of ideas. And to maybe see the tangibility of these ideas, you know, going to something that's going to benefit people, not just professors, but everyday people, working people, um, outside academia, people without degrees, with degrees, and anywhere in between. That's what we're trying to do here is to stimulate ideas and, um, and have a cohesion with the people and let's delve into issues beyond on and all black and white we got to stop this binary way of thinking and we have to really delve into issues. And when we talk about those issues, let's not um, demonize our neighbors and um, the people who we're in close proximity to. And, um, you know, let's not have these abrupt decisions based on what we're hearing from, you know, mainstream media or any sort of echo chamber that you may be associated with. So let's expand our minds a little bit more and um, keep reaching people like we've had at the forum, 64 different countries we've reached. And I encourage all the interested people to subscribe to Kiko's Free Fingers Forum on your favorite podcast and platform, or also our official YouTube channel. But again, um, welcome to the show. And I wanted to get a few, many, I guess, biographical details out of the way that I think are important before we proceed with this second interview with Matthew Witt. Uh, I want to ask you something about the systemic frog. What exactly is that? Systemic frog, um, 
was initiated by a Matt friend. Um, now it's been a brainchild of his for many years, and then he he uh, uh, began to formalize uh, what he wanted to do about starting about three years ago, and reached out to a few of us that he wanted to incorporate uh, formally in a kind of partnership. It's it continues to be a platform for vigorous exchange, um, kindred with with what you're about, Kiko. Um, and I don't know currently what the subscriber base is for that. His platforms are he's got a Facebook presence. Um, I, he's got a, a presence on other platforms. Um, we have not been so active here for for a spell um in terms of sort of next steps but he and i stay in close contact uh and uh he's he's a he's a very peripatetic thinker and uh his his um his professional uh orientation is um organizational development in particular around uh sort of um systems architecture of all kinds, uh, uh, not enterprise, well, some enterprise architecture around com computer related, but but mostly uh, organizational development, strategic management. He is a Welshman. Um, so uh, his perspective on what's going on is informed by um, what's, what's up in Great Britain, all of that also, as it were, European in his perspective. So I could say more, but it's it's uh, that systemic frog. And he brought myself and um, Dan Brody uh, uh, in as content um, a specialist, and uh, we had some vigorous exchanges and wonderful uh, idea development uh, over the course of COVID. And um, uh, Daniel has moved on into an outstanding online. Um, portal, uh, intellectual platform, working with uh, Pierce um, Robinson and others, but it's Pierce Robinson and Dan in particular who have, who, who uh, performed the editorial function of curating that platform. It's uh, Propaganda in Focus, so I'll make a plug for them. And um, at stake, it's a remarkable vision and couldn't have been better timing for launching that platform. And so they field outstanding, as you do yourself, um, uh, contributions, uh, published contributions for the most part. They're not currently a venue for um, video interviewing. Uh, they, are a, they are sort of largely a platform for written stuff. Um, and they field from a broad uh, a broadcast of um, perspective, um, discipline um, in academia, outside of academia. It's a, it's a go-to venue uh, for cutting edge commentary and analysis of current events through the lens of uh, propaganda and its many, many incarnations through institutions and in a big way through um, contemporary culture. It's a systemic frog could you compare it is it comparable to these uh forums like rumble and um you have all these different ones that are starting to um be more popular now because of the youtube um suppression oh. or so 
Well, Rumble as a platform has become indispensable um, for as venue uh, for platforming uh, from, you know, uh, Russell Brand would be a high profile, um, Joe Rogan, high profile, um, our friend Jimmy Dore, high profile, uh, it, you know, to to all the way to to any number of sort of voices otherwise completely marginalized. I've not made a close study of Rumble. It, you know, to it, it of course, you know, that you know, CNN would describe it as a as a venue for right wing hysterical conspiracy theorizing, but that's just what they do. Uh, CNN, so that would be a, a badge of some kind of distinction worth considering coming from that source. Uh, it, it, that, so Rumble as a platform is indispensable, and 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 it's so encouraging to see that. Uh, sort of venue for yeah what Morpheus would call pirate signals uh, through the matrix, um, and I I don't know that um, well systemic frog has not produced video content so it 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 wouldn't be utilizing Rumble as such, uh, and I I I don't know what what the plans are moving forward now it's in it's in a hiatus as Matt sort of um, nails down some other stuff. Yeah, that's worth discussing at some point. You know, those those venues that have emerged in response to um, the, the 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 spectacular suppression. It's always and it's it's. I mean, I, Russell Brand is second to none for his sort of originality and his blend of of very perspicacious and precocious sense of humor uh, and professional sort of refinement of of delivery. Uh, he's a real pro because he's, of course, he's platformed on YouTube because the, the, right, the, the, the market is orders of magnitude bigger than Rumble at this point. Maybe someday Rumble will get there, but then he'll say, you know, sort of, all right, well, for the rest of this discussion now, if, if for those who want to hear the naughty bits and so you know, we'll see you on Rumble, check the uh, link. That's what below. a lot of them are doing. They, yeah. yeah. They they just yeah. introducing YouTube and then they transition. <laughs> <laughs> right. They I mean it's 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 such it's such a tonic to see that kind of turning the tables on on YouTube and the whole you know sort of the Ministry of Information and sort of wink nod. It's all a joke. Yeah, we'll see you at Rump. You know, we just we know you're here. For pet videos, and you're subscribed to me here, and you're feeding, you know, and you're getting whatever you're getting here. But over here, for the good stuff, you know, and then there, of course, you know, the model is try to get subscribers, and it's sort of so it's a content bundling model. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I, it's it's brilliant. Yeah, there, Rumble, and there's others now escaping me. Occasionally, I visit, but um, the names are escaping me because I'm not really otherwise paying a lot, a lot of attention to all those platforms, but they're growing in response to uh, what what YouTube is, has become. And I understand that I have to tiptoe through the lilies too with, um, you know, certain topics. I mean, and obviously we're going to get to those topics so soon. And and it's funny because I heard, I think it was uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. He was saying on a pod last month, he was telling the people, I think it was the Matt Hoffa podcast, is a hip hop podcast, and he was telling them they were in a barbershop and he told them, don't mention these things because I don't want your channel to get shut down on YouTube. He, Because really their avenue, they've started to branch out more to Matt. I think it's called Matt Hoffa 
but um, they do really hip hop specific themes. But now okay. when you bring on a political candidate, you start branching out talking about different stuff. And he was kind of giving them a warning because there's obviously something to the algorithm and some people know how to navigate it with right. the, the wordsmithing and stuff. I really right. don't pay attention to it. I just try right. to become as authentic as possible without right. I, seeming right. too crazy. But at right. the same time, it's all good. I mean, we're reaching people and, and people want to learn the information. So we can't really self-censor either. That doesn't really help the cause. That's what they want us to do is to continue to self-censor. But right. I have to say, Matt, when I saw public administration, it's not something I knew much about. But maybe I didn't know what public administration entailed, but I just didn't know the word for it. Could you explain to the audience that may, may or may not know what it means to be a public administrator? Like, what is that? Sure. So my um, my PhD is urban studies out of the urban studies and planning program at the uni at Portland State University, and I I was offered this job in two thousand one to help build a, an urban component to their programs that served um, a you know, sort of garden variety um, public service professional advanced degree um, ambitions. And so Laverne had built accredited masters of public administration program and had built uh, a doctors of public administration program um, and uh, and also had an undergraduate program um, going back uh, you know to the 1970s. And it was a great opportunity to join energetic uh, venue here at Laverne uh, in on the you know sort of in the LA metropolitan nebula um, and 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 that that was the appeal and attraction um, public so public administration right it's terminology that who could who could find particularly zesty um, it's 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 we serve public service professionals so everyone from uh, utilities bureaucrats uh, from, you know, uh, those trying to look for career advancement uh, in utilities, in, um, in social services, in um, city manager offices, um, at state level, um, we, uh, at federal level. Um, we've had people in forestry. We've had people in yeah, large utilities. Uh, we've had people uh, come through across the gamut, um, fair amount of law enforcement uh, come through fire, um, local government, lots of local government um, people in there. Um, it used to be much more sort of in their 30s and 40s, and it, it has dropped substantially as younger people have calculated it's better to amortize the, the cost of education over a longer period and get the jump on career advancement sooner, I presume. Uh, much of this is economically driven, opportunity cost calculations, and so on. But we're we're more and more sort of um, you know, twenty uh, you know, mid twenties to, to mid thirties, early early forties uh, population that's just you know looking for career advancement um, and and in public service. Um, some of them are freelancing their careers and thinking, trying to as the younger ones are trying to figure out. Am I going to stay in public service? Is this for me? What am I about? Many of them have a wonderful sort of public serving 
attitude and outlook. Uh, but then the older they get, they're sort of locked in to the career and they're seeking um, uh, uh, they're seeking advanced degree master's level, if not higher to to position themselves for for advancement. So it's and then we have the undergraduate degree. <laughs> it's a small enrollment. But it's it's been there for degree completion um, of folks that um, you know put their kids through college and did all that, and now it's their turn to finish their their undergraduate degree. Um, so it's been a wonderful place in that regard for assisting people with their aspirations that otherwise feel um, alienated from, lost in the numbers with the state's. Uh, uh, level of of size of programs, or otherwise are not, you know, financially able or otherwise disposed to get into the the elite uh, privates. So that's been Laverne's niche for as long as anyone can remember, and so it's done a good job actually of sort of um, uh, it's maintained some ranking status as a matter of fact for. Um, first generation um, sort of uh, uh, advancement in life and career. Um, uh, and so that's something we're uh, proud of. My first generation, my first generation to go to college. Yeah. Yeah, it's just interesting because I'm glad you explained that because I was starting to think, but the stuff you published on is like very um, variegated and that's incredible. You have such a list of publications. So I encourage my audience, um, I'm going to link Professor Wiss, his website, to where you can see pretty much most of his stuff is available in PDF on his site, just to see the production of literature that he has. Um, and, and it is quite a list. And um, I, I follow you. And that's the reason why I was like, let me read some of his other stuff after I read the Ukraine Russia. Sure. So I, I take it you mean because I actually I mean I'm I'm incredibly uh, derelict in building my own anything. I, I take it you mean Google Scholar, you or because I do not have I don't know where you're finding stuff in one place actually. Where well, you, I guess your Laverne site you have a, all your stuff pretty much linked. I, I think I I have my I, maybe I have a fairly recent Vita posted there. Um, for what it's worth, uh, people can Google Scholar does a pretty good job. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, if you're if you're okay with Google, all sorts of reasons not to be. But um, it's it's for finding stuff. It's you know, so if people are interested, for Google Scholar, my name, and the stuff will come up, and then it gives some. Yeah, some stats of some kind. Um, there's ratings, right, for uh, impact ratings that are indexed that index um, according to citations. Uh, and I'm not any kind of player in that regard. But you you could get. I, I've never strived, striven, strove um, to be the guy that's read and cited. And and I, I again I credit Laverne. I mean, it's lovely to see your you know. But I've got colleagues that have worked it, and their right their ratings are are reflect that. I haven't, um, and and in large part, it's been because Laverne has 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 been really wonderful, uh, in some ways inadvertently, <laughs> to to give give me room and others their room to do what what they want to do. 
And um, so thank you. And by way of saying, uh, how did I get to be able to range like I have on topics, um, mix genres? I, I, I loved mixing genre literature, film and, um, and content. And so by way of illustrating tricky concepts and, you know, multidimensional dilemmas. So thanks. And as people are interested, Google Scholar is a pretty good spot. Um, we talked last time about the, the, the progression of my sort of, yeah, my intellectual progression. I'm not the most hardworking scholar. Um, I used to really, as a younger man, work much harder at output because it, I wanted to, and there was some pressure. Uh, but um, I'm much more sort of picky at this point about what I'm engaging in, um, uh, including a wonderful venue like Kiko's Freethinkers Forum. So it's this is this kindles my imagination in ways that um, I think you before we began taping you were commenting the challenges you see and and apprehensions with regard to the academy and so on. Absolutely, um, you mentioned our last conversation. I still can't get it out of my head. Episode thirty one again. You all need to start watching because I want to get some of these guests back on. But I want my audience to also watch the first episode as well to kind of get the context so we don't have to re-explain so much. But I wanted to get your view on, we talked about Tucker Carson the last time, and we know that a lot's happened since we had the episode 31. Uh, so what was your initial jerk, uh, knee-jerk reaction when you saw that Fox had released Tucker? And, do, and what was your view when Don Lemon was released pretty much who knows what happened behind the scenes, but they reported it as if they were released at the same time. Like Tucker just happens to be gone from Fox and Lemon happens to be released from CNN pretty much the same day. What was your reaction to those or just the Tucker situation? You know, I didn't keep track. That's a great question. And keeping track of sort of the the, the forces at play, uh, could, it, could it have merely been a coincidence? Unlikely. Both of them have been problems as I've seen them for their networks for some time. Lemon for his sort of freelance, not a, a close study of, of, of either of them, but I think I get your point. Um, it, Lemon has has fit the bill uh, in many ways um, for the, the telegenic appeal, um, the sort of faux journalistic, um, you know, condescension. Um, that's a that's an affectation of 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 these of these telegenic personalities who have very little going for them uh, to to this pretense that they they have really informed and strong opinions uh, when really it's just a very coached affectation uh, to zero in some kind of facile point and criticism. Lemon was very schooled in that style. Um, and also th the other side of that is this, um, this faux uh, fawning and obsequiousness for the right kind of people. So I, um, Tucker though is very different. Uh, Tucker um, did not play that game. Uh, Tucker is um, has much more the intellectual and journalistic chops uh, than Lemon in that crowd, and um, much more uh, capable and much more devoted. 
let me say this, this is not, the Tucker we see now is not the Tucker of not many years ago, at, at least, you know, at, uh, on the surface. The Tucker now is unleashed. The Tucker now is on fire. The Tucker is as if, you know, really a devoted um, journalist in the in the mold of a Glenn Greenwald, for instance. I mean, he's, he's you know, on the, on the sort of conservative valence side, but really, what what where he's found himself is is in the sort of broad the, the broader more relevant um, uh, spectrum we have to deal with of establishment anti-establishment and so Tucker has found himself um, into and in in with a lot of originality and a lot of hustle and chutzpah uh, into into a populist sort of position like. In some ways, like Greenwald, in some ways, like other. I, I, Greenwald comes to mind because um, both of them, you know, sort of um, both of them uh, dwell, uh, occupy this space uh, that's very much like Russell Brand, but with a very different idiom than Brand, um, of uh, oppositional to the authority. And it's an easy mark these days, Kiko. In some ways, it's you know it's where the it's it's a growing market, and so who with any sense of where the wind is blowing and you know sort of you know content to bring and access and game wouldn't go there, right? Well, Don Lennon won't be going there. Anderson Cooper won't be going there. Anyone who aspires to that will not be going there. And they'll be great fodder for um, those who who do who take the initiative. So I see Tucker doing that, um, and uh, it's it, again not this the Tucker that I from back when was so annoying and cloying and um, and haughty and sort of absurd. Uh, the the bow tie Tucker was was kind of, was really kind of a clown. Um, so he's he's um, he's grown. He's matured. Um, I had a hard time watching him back then. Um, and back then I didn't pay enough attention to uh, venues like Fox. I should have paid more attention. My students certainly were, and I should have been. You know, I still believed, you know, 10 years ago, clever pundits of MSNBC. You know, I I, I, I was, I, you know, I, I just, I wasn't on the wavelength to, and I didn't see where they would go that would become so spectacularly absurd. With the advent of COVID, um, and, and previous to that, I haven't previous to that. So, but I was still. I mean, when Trump was running, I, I was still. I was convinced that Trump was uh, an old guard, uh, a revamped old guard conservative. You know, he was just a. a he was. A, he was a circus barker for um, what was essentially. Um, right-wing populist stuff that was recycled in, in hackneyed ways by him. I've thought about him much differently at this point, not with any kind of um, real virtues, uh, but he may be a product of something else um, that we could talk more about. Uh, but Tucker is is his own person, clearly, uh, and Lemon is not. Um, how about yourself? I mean, it's the, the, you, you're thinking about the, the coincidence as something other than that. 
no. Um, oh, you know me too well, don't you? You know that there's something underneath that. <laughs> they call it the palimpsest. You know, you move the wall and there's another coat behind the wall. You know, there's something to it. But um, <laughs> no, I think what it is for me personally, um, I've never been on the Tucker train. I've never been on the lemon train. Yeah. But yeah. because I just don't believe anything like the mainstream media is what it is. And I know that it was always, um, there's been terminologies before. I mean, Chomsky referred to it as manufactured consent. Um, and that was over 20 years ago. And, you know, Trump says it's fake news. And now he calls it corrupt news, not fake news. He changed it. But for me, it's a product of the same um, imagination at, at, at its core, at its nucleus. And I think that's how Tucker and and Don Lemon were able to get in their positions in the first place because they had an artistry of um, intrigue. They had the artistry of appeal. Yeah. And um, they know how to connect to audiences, especially yeah. networks like that, um, where you're really given a platform without having to earn the legitimacy at this point because you have so much at stake now with um, information, but you automatically have just like, look at the two parties. They they get an unfair legitimacy because even though there are other options viably out there, those options aren't allowed to be available. So we have to look at these two um, groupings as okay. These must be the legitimate groupings because that's the only thing I see. Yeah. Even though there's other stuff around, and I see Tucker and Don like that then and honestly now, and I say that only because um. Tucker's a smart person. He's a very shrewd yeah. person. Maybe from my perspective, I wonder if we're looking from a different set of eyes where we have a different vision of Tucker. Because like you said, Tucker started out as a pure neocon um, during the Bush days, the yeah. crossfire yes. with John Stewart. Yeah, exactly. He had yeah. to tie on. The, I mean, just yeah. like he was almost a caricature. Yeah. But um, is it because that's what he was and since we saw him change or transition into a more mature Tucker, does he get way more credit because he started from a different point of access as opposed to someone like myself who has been more or less, I won't call it the same, but I've had a baseline of skepticism for probably going on 15 years, but people would be like, okay, that's what I expect from Kiko. But from this guy here, he really grew on me. He, well, I'm sorry. He who grew on so back up. Who grew on whom? In your Tucker growing on this um, new audience that clearly he's grown his audience from this yeah. neocon base to something outside of it. Well, he draws from more. Uh, mo uh, last stat I heard was a, a majority of his audience before he left Fox was a Democrat voter. So the stats on him was he was pulling more Democrat voters than anyone else in his, yeah, I just disaffected, you know, disaffected. So mm -hmm. I, I take your, it's very, he's shrewd, very, very smart sort of in his reading of the, his reading of the, of the trends. Um, and one then has to ask how genuine are his mea culpas? that he makes now like in, you know right his his signal mea culpa is i was wrong about the iraq war um and 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 that that okay um moving on 
You know, I mean, so at this point, is it that difficult to say you're wrong about the Iraq war? I, but he's he's uh, he seems like a different creature um, to me. And um, he seems to be, you know, to me, in some ways, hewing to a kind of intellectual, genuinely intellectual style of commenting. Um, you know, he's not, as I think I may have said last time, he's no William F. Buckley. Um, but he's 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 hewing in that direction uh, and making space for th that that um, that that genre in ways. Um, Greenwald is 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 much more the scholar and the much more I want to say sort of erudite in his comportment and his interviews and his comprehension and scope uh, and he's studious. That said, Tucker has a um, dynamism to him that I think is um, is 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 him, and he appears to me just sort of um, exuberantly energetic out uh, now that he's left Fox. Whatever, I'm with you, and then I'm skeptical. I'm dubious of any of the right. I mean, I I would say I have more. You know, Greenwald has earned more of my respect and trust. Than Carlson, and I don't know how much Greenwald would appreciate lump, you know, a comparison <laughs> of himself with Dr. Carlson, but I do see some similarities in terms of uh, inter. You know, Greenwald doesn't have the audience reach, but I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you his audience reach, but it's substantial. Um, and uh, but Tucker, of course, coming off of Fox and all of his loyal, you know, he read. I, I think I absolutely he would have read that first of all. Most of the viewership at Fox, the numbers were on his were for his show. I mean, he was money. And what's startling is to see that they would let go of the money. So someone got to them um, for some reason that was bigger than money. And by the accounts I find credible, it was his position he took on Ukraine. That you know, they were willing to tolerate um who's the CEO of willing to uh Murdoch. Yeah, the Will, Murdoch was willing to tolerate um, a lot. The Ukraine was the line too far. It was the it was the Rubicon crossing uh, because of the enormous, enormous agenda uh, behind it, and so that was taboo territory. And and I, you know, as we talked about Tucker, I think almost certainly very calculated. He knew he had the numbers. Uh, he knew he needed a. Um, he knew he it could only be helped launching his platform. That that the, the the right the drama the saga of getting booted off. So knowing for what his savvy is, almost certainly calculated. Don Lemon, don't know. I don't know that he's got any game plan whatsoever mm -hmm. out of coming off of. And nor have I followed what was what was the acclaimed reason for his departure was the writing on the wall for him uh he had made some gaffes i know but again i've not well i've not paid any attention um but a couple of embarrassing and compromising gaffes uh but other than that i don't know what would have been his fall from grace with msnbc or how much viewership he pulled i haven't have not paid attention to those numbers they say for don lemon it was um they say in at CNN there was a hostile work environment and that he had trip and that he contributed a lot to that environment. Um, 
just like name calling coworkers, like abusing coworkers. That's that's the story I heard um, about him. Like that he had been like this for a while. But um, but regardless, I was thinking of um, I, I'm definitely more of a skeptic for sure. Um, Tucker, I almost see as um, he's linked with Trump inherently at this point. Yeah. And um, yeah. to me, the Trumplicans, as I call them, the Trumplicans, they're kind of in their own um, league. But again, to, to me, it's, it's still um, the biggest gripe I've always I've ever had of Donald Trump, besides his antics and um, his publicity stunts and everything else, is um, the fact to not break away from the political deep state, which is the two-party system. Um, considering that he was a leading figure in the Reform Party and some of the third parties, even um, before Ross Perot and after Ross Perot, who got 18.9% of the national um, vote in the 1992 election with yeah. Bush and Clinton. Yeah. And so I think people, the generation that came after me don't remember how big of a deal that was at the time for a third party person to get almost 20% nationally um, yeah. support. We haven't seen anything even close to that at this point. We're talking about 30 years ago. Um, Tucker is very much um, calculated. I think it wasn't just Ukraine, Russia. I think it was also the the problem that Foss got into with the election uh, 2020, which um, I have my own views about the election 2020. Um, I was a skeptic then that I never believed there was a legitimate election, the 2020 election. But, um, and that's as far as I go, so I don't get kicked off of YouTube, but people kind of know why I'm at on that because I think the Jan 6 stuff, I believe that all this stuff is um, a huge distraction. Um, they end up funding the Capitol Police more money after that happened, if you didn't notice or not. Um, so you have these events that happen and then you have the reaction to the, to the manufactured event or whatever it is, and you see that it's like, okay, why come, do you really believe those people's lives were in jeopardy at Jan 6? Me personally, I don't think so at one bit. I believe it's part of something that was bigger. Um, but I guess the question I want to ask you before we get back to Tucker is, where's the liminal boundary when it comes to someone feeling like they're going to be viewed as a conspiracy theorist or whatever it is, to their friends and coworkers and everything else, what shapes that mindset to where those people are comfortable enough to cross the bridge and be like, you know what, I don't care anymore. I have these views and I know it's gonna affect some people this way or that way, but it's like, I've come to this conclusion um, based on my educated findings. When the people exit, the matrix as it were the symbolic order the matrix is just a parable on symbolic order symbolic order and how it ordains permissible and impermissible thought and speech and expression what 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 rules can be bent within the order and what rules can be broken and and with what costs and so on um great question um critical to suss out the that do, that the, that do, that domain that is um, so fraught and so crisscrossed, cross hatched with um, 
a blitzkrieg of propaganda and noise on any given channel. I'm struck by, with even in casual, I get together semi-annually with close buddies going back decades to college and 20s and so on. And um, just recently, lovely guys. And it's so, you know, in our sixth decade now, and so just sort of the, you know, there's less energy, but more solemnity to the whole gathering. But there will flare up, you know, one of these guys, super, super, had, had at some point, inevitably something about politics will come up and right and he made a comment about this well you know i can i can i could i can tolerate a whole lot but just don't give me that fascist kennedy that fascist kennedy really and so this guy is is one of the most warm-hearted generous decent people you'll ever meet on the other hand angrily blinkered blissfully blissful in his contempt for a facsimile um manufactured very carefully by the channels that one would think he'd otherwise be very sophisticated about because he works in the media industry mm. works in advertising and he's been had a career in advertising so you'd think there'd be this right now, whether he is part of a culture that has just, um, you know, become utterly captured with the Hollywood woke and what all of that does and reflects and refracts of a whole lot of money interests, we could speculate. But I don't hope I'm not drifting off here. Your question is one hand very personal for all of us, and 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 also this this is the precinct you know the, the 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 precincts of the possible are very much in the niche that you talk that you're getting at here so what at what point do we engage the other who otherwise uh, uh, are inclined to polarize and at what point do we opt out of that exchange across symbols and because it's so fraught, you very difficult to get to the authentic, except with a lot of exertion and energy and a kind of personality that's that's that likes to stir it up and and that and, and that people still though know is that person, but who commands a certain respect. I become just too exhausted. I tend to get it, you know, it tends to become combative in ways that are hurtful and um and alienating. And I just so in personal exchanges, so I I look for the Kikos of the world to join the forum. I look to try and do that in writing. So I look to try to consolidate what I can in my life. Um, otherwise, because it's not getting any easier and I'm not getting any younger. Uh, but it, for back to Tucker, back to, but, you know, what are these guys doing? I mean, I, um, I, I think with a singular alacrity would be a guy like Russell Brand who who who's got the talent and the devotion really you feel he is in some ways very kindred in some ways with a bobby kennedy in that they both are very uh frontal about the drug addiction conditions when it comes up they don't make a thing out of it 
but you have a sense of individuals of extraordinary talent and accomplishment, diametric in their origins. Russell comes from very modest origins. Kennedy comes from anything but modest origins. But they have some profound simpatico. You see their exchange and interview, and it's a kind of electrifying. Well, that's my point. If if you know um, if our times are making possible an immediated exchange between those individuals finding themselves in a very sort of foundational, I'll dare say, soulful connection, anything's possible, Kiko. To, to, to keep considering what spaces like what you're producing here uh, potentiate for those possibilities, um, and sort of you know grafting onto the matrix uh, for what it's useful in infrastructure to send a pirate signal that attracts people off that to another platform that grows uh, and and becomes um, enriched <clears throat> as such. So it's, there's a whole lot there, not a little emotion for me in thinking through how I have to police myself in the most intimate precincts of relationships, of my closest relationships, and there's only so much I can say, and that I have to guard that in ways perhaps similar to what my parents' generation, World War II generation, had to do in the Cold War period and then into the cultural upheavals of the 60s, which were also very polarizing, extremely polarizing. Um, Kennedy goes farther back to the Civil War to say that he believes and and studiously so. He's quite an accomplished, um, quite an accomplished intellectual, and if not scholar himself, and and he's uh, 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 he goes all the way back to the Civil War and says we have not, in his reading, been as polarized ever uh, since the Civil War as we are now. Um, so, you know, I, I think I'm now in a what feels like a deep freeze that I think my parents had to deal with as they were a young, starting their family, much younger than I am now, but um, starting their family in the late, in the mid fifties and into the sixties and having to sort that out. What could they say? How, on top of which is my mother, who's Jewish on her mother's side, German. And so she learned at a very young age, you have to, you have to guard extremely carefully who you talk to, who you let in, what you say on threat of death, not just to you, but your whole family. So um, there was that. That's a whole other legacy. My mother's survival of the Holocaust. Um, she was half Jewish and um, uh, on her mother, on, on my grandmother's, her mother's side, Jewish, uh, as far back as anyone knew. On her father's side, Protestant. He was in World War Two, World War One, uh, uh, decorated veteran as a medic, uh, front line. So he saw the worst of the worst. Um, Iron Cross decorated. Lots of guys got an Iron Cross. It's not my point, but it's you know. But um, so, but he wasn't someone the Nazis wanted to um, antagonize too much. And so, like many of the like blended marriages in Germany, of which there were countless, because German German Jews were so devoted, particularly after World War One, to cosmopolitanizing themselves. 
um, in, in many ways oppositional to Polish Jews, Ukrainian Jews, Lithuanian Jews, that they wanted to be German first. And, and that, that was a huge deal. But you know, in the early stages of the regime, they were relatively insulated. Uh, but after 42, it was um, all bets were off. Uh, that was after Vance conference, the as it were final solution, so called. So I, then it got nip and tuck. Um, but it, after Kristallnacht in 38, my great grandparents left for South Africa and they established before leaving a code uh, that for coded letters. And so they, they knew that the correspondence would be intercepted. And so they wrote in code and they established this before leaving. And before leaving also, they established with my mother's mother, my grandmother, that should things get too bad, that they go with a story that my grandmother was an illegitimate um, child of a Protestant father herself. And they identified uh, the perfect candidate, uh, a victimless crime, as it were. My grandmother's obstetrician was a single man, never married, no children, and deceased. My um, grandmother was born to the day nine months after a visit to the obstetrician by her mother. And they concocted the story that uh, they were pretty certain that under, under anesthesia or otherwise she'd been impregnated. Um, something along those lines. It, it, I'd have to go back now. But uh, that would make my grandmother half Jewish and my mother and her brother quarter essentially buying more time. This was agreed to with some hesitation, but um, after Kristallnacht and her parents left, there was a promise to follow through, and eventually she did. And um, at a SS hearing, some SS magistrate or hearings officer, she went, my grandmother went and testified. She was pretty sure, and she gave documents and so on. And, and my grandfather joined her. And he would later say he was never more proud of his wife than the day she lied convincingly in front of the SS. Hey, I, you know, there's countless stories of that era. The world is full of these nip and tuck stories. And, but that's has had an influence on me. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, one way to understand where I come from, where I am, is where for all of us where we where we where we come from, where we came from, and that story has been significant. And on my father's side, significant story is that grapes of wrath, and so he was his grandparents were very dispossessed. They're part of this thing called the lost generation, uh, World War One generation, and uh, I mean they fit that. To a, to a T, both of them dispossessed and in many ways, and my grandparents on my father's side, and by 1937, had seen one dust storm too many whip up off the plains of uh, North Texas, and uh, headed to Seattle um, on, a, on a gambit um, that originated with you know, desperation, but also a tip from a guy who was 
riding rail back then. They wrote the so-called the back then they would call them uh, drifters, not homeless, not you know drifters. Uh, it's got kind of a ring to it, kind of romantic you know, <laughs> ring to it, and riding the rails. And this guy said, and the 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 the, the standard. Convention then was anyone comes ask you for a meal doesn't matter how poor you are you got enough to give them something one meal and then they're on their way and maybe drifter became kind of derived from that kind of compact right and if you want to do more for them you can I mean but if you don't give them one meal you know woe be unto you so um, uh, this you know this guy comes by they were in Amarillo Texas. And uh, I've never been. I, I'm, I should. I should be. I should have been. I'm not ashamed to say, but I should go at some point. And I uh, hear it's. Uh, you know, you're not a hellhole. <laughs> it's the pan. It's the panhandle of Texas, which is not known for its salubrious living. Put it that way. And it, it congenial living. So they. Um, Drifter comes by, and my grandmother's on the porch or whatever, and, and they get to talking, and and she says they're thinking of hauling out, uh, lighting out to the west. And uh, he says, where do you think you're going to go? Well, we hear tell California is a land of milk and honey. Uh, and he says, don't fall for that sucker punch. He says, and it was right out of Steinbeck. You know, it was, it was, you know, if the Jodes have just sort of heard this guy talk, there'd be no story. They would have gone to Seattle and done better. Mm. But my grandmother took the tip seriously. And, um, and he said, it's, it's, it's a hellhole. It's uh slave labor camps. It's uh, you don't want to, you don't want to, you want to stay away from that. And this was before Grapes of Wrath was written. This guy just was firsthand, presumably account. The funny thing on this side side story, take more time, but my father recognized this guy's face. My father, artistic sensibilities, higher than average pattern recognition type of guy. Um, after this guy left, he, you know, he's he was 10 years old and he's tugging him, grandmother's ape or whatever. And he says, oh, mother, mother, you know who that guy was? What do you mean who that guy was? You know, it, and I don't know if he went and got it, but there was like a most wanted poster. It was like he had seen one of those old most wanted FBI most wanted, and the guy was, and he. I think that there's more to that story now. I think I think they were. Um, there's more to that story I'm missing. Anyway, but this guy was actually on the run. <laughs> he wasn't just he was on the run. Almost certainly he was. I don't know if my, they ever caught up with what happened to this guy, but I just find it that much more kind of serendipitously charming that a desperado would be willing to give good advice, you know. So they they headed out to Seattle and not hustle or rob or whatever, you know, just, you know what, don't go there. They tried to make Seattle. And they got there. It didn't work out. I, I don't know. So they, ended, they ended up backpedaling to Portland where they ran out of money. And Portland is where they stayed, is where they they had 35 cents in their pocket and enough to buy the boys a couple of donuts. And father went across the street to service station and convinced them that he had all the skills of mechanic that he probably didn't. Got the job. 
So I, on my father's side, there's sort of dispossession and exodus, you know, of, of the sort of yeoman, white, you know, oaky kind of, yeah. My mother's side is the Jewish storied dispossession one after another. And so being the product of two dispossessions, you know, leaves its mark. Um, so many of us can speak to these stories. So I, us, you, me, and whomever. And I think more than a few intellectuals are drawn at, as such because of that, you know, to work out identity in, in the face of a world that you, in which you're dubious of membership anywhere because membership is always an exclusion and so if you come from the dispossession you're very you're dubious of inclusion <laughs> so there's that and see which obviously is a is a page from the other made black article that was does very much a section where you um explain that there and i appreciate you sharing that personal narrative um and um those things definitely shape who we are um the, the things that never leave your memory, you know, they stay with you. But I was thinking about, I had a question about that just with the whole idea of groupings, but see, it correlated with what I ultimately thought of Tucker. And then I, I want to get into like two of your articles, some, um, you know, I don't want, this is great, but I want to also get into the content too of the articles. But I was thinking about Tucker and Russell Brand and Jimmy Dore and Rogan and all these people. And I, I make this comment because a friend, now I consider this person a friend of mine who also creates content. And um, she does vlogs, Amira Napier. I interviewed Amira on this platform um, a few months ago. And she was frustrated about just um, how the channel wasn't growing as, as much as she wanted. And I was just saying, basically, like, just keep doing what you're doing. You're reaching people. You are changing people. But um, I do have that feeling myself that I've gotten to the point now where it's like, I don't care if it's 200 people or 2,000 people that I maximally reach because those people can still reach other people. I may not be able to reach those people that they know, but those people have the proximity. We talked about that earlier about the proximity of um, running into people and you know, we have to be careful what we say because we do have good willing people. We have great people around us, but we just disagree on a lot of um guess core issues that what we consider core issues. But um I think Tucker is basically he's building on the development of um anti-establishment, which is the establishment. It's like at what point do you have the establishment? Like we can agree that Fox News is whatever is the establishment and CNN. So what makes those anti-establishment people not become the establishment people? That's that's the biggest issue I've, I have with it. And just based on the numbers, when I see that many people sheep herding over, um, just the amount of views that Tucker gets, like I knew he was going to be secure once he left Fox. It's not like people don't know who the fuck he is. Everyone knows who he is, whether you don't like him or not. Same with Trump. You, you can hate him, love him, whatever. But everyone's got the mugshot on their profile, whether you're a hater or you're just obsessed with Trump. And 
to me, Tucker gets that same sort of treatment um, where he's almost put in a canon of um, the anti-establishment as opposed to the establishment. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm um, struggling because it's, um, I don't know, I don't know how organic it can be once you reach a critical mass. And maybe I'm just uh, too cynical towards the people. But um, as a skeptic, it's hard for me not to be cynic at times, a healthy cynicism, because you just see it happen so much. It's like you get so many, a hundred million go that way. So what happens with that energy of the hundred million leaving this um, place to go to another place and die on that hill? Do they grow from that um, transition or do they just go into another bubble? Yeah, I dare say whenever 100 million people do anything, all of a sudden, <laughs> it's not a good thing. Um, but uh, I, I'm with you. Um, and you're, so you speak to, because I, getting to know you better now, I, I'm understanding a bit of your, sort of what you're building, which is what are the parameters that determine authentic exchanges, authentic discourses, and unencumbered by um, agendas money, uh, bandwagoning, uh, Vogue um, style, uh, and and how does one uh, sort of, um, uh, how does one accumulate um, cred on those channels uh, and, and resist what, so back to my field, resist the gentrification of that channel, you know, the sort of the displacement of, of, the, of what was Edgy and sort of challenging and 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 you know inclusive but not cloying, not iconoclastic, uh, but critical and you know retaining a sense of irony and open-ended possibility and resisting the urge to to draw conclusions, you know, that are um, sort of. Um, that are too too quickly cliche uh, in some ways. As I get to know you, I get the sense. I don't mean to speak for you, my friend. I, I, but this is my sense of some of your sort of what you're about. It's in the name, title of your of your program, Free Thinkers, and sort of what 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 is the what does it take to occupy that space and then transact meaningfully. With others outside of that, because um, I, I mean, I take this very seriously. This is not merely an, an intellectual exercise. Um, the times we live in demand that we span our voices. Demand it. I I could do a much better job, I think, in that regard. Um, so I'm grateful to forms like yours, where guys like you with that vision can um, can can host these discussions. I. I simply don't get to have these discussions otherwise. Uh, academia has completely crowded out this discussion, completely crowded it out. It, it, um, breathtaking uh, what is overtaken academia. Um, so, uh, yeah, I back to you know, the Tucker, the, the um, Trumpelkins, I like that. You got to, you got to, you got to um, copyright that. No, um, I can't, yeah. I get it. It came actually from the first person I heard use it was um, do you remember he was in Illinois Bogovich, I think is his name. Bogovich. Yeah, 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 but yeah. 
he he's the person that I heard use that term a Trumpican. Yeah. I, I was a traditional Democrat, but I became a Trumpican. Like yeah. he's who I heard say that. Trump is a phenomenon. You know, um, if we could touch on this briefly, and then right, we can get to the other May Blackwood as you wish, um, or Greta and so on. But he's a he's a phenomenon. He, he he's um, um, you know he was a Democrat, right? Just like Reagan. Reagan was a Democrat. Reagan was a New Dealer. Ronald Reagan was a New Dealer. And I don't know for his biography uh, or what would be considered one worth reading. I, I don't know. That ever, I can't even I don't know who's written it. It's top of my head. I can't see a, a cover page of a Reagan biography that I would read. Um, but he was uh, also no dummy. Um, he was actually quite capable um uh, politically and uh yeah no no sort of you know, no bookish intellectual that's for sure but he he yeah and and trump in some ways similar you know both are are media product products of the media um and it, it um reagan is a as a b movie actor with notoriety and trump is uh Right, The Apprentice was a very, very popular, highly rated show, and um, so there's that. And um, who is Trump really? You know, on the on the one hand, he here we have a guy who's clearly, unless, as with the conspiracy theorists' take on Epstein, he wasn't killed or suicided that's just a cover story he was shuttled out and identity changed and whatever okay as with that you know um is trump a a a very deep state operative where he's been read all the way in to what's needed from him and what's going to happen to him uh yeah or you know uh uh, is he a, a patsy uh, who was set up um, um, uh, Lee Harvey Oswald style, uh, a, a guy who has uh, deep and, and, and enduring uh, state connections that are, um, if not the deepest, then certainly close. Certainly Trump has those connections. Uh, and, and he's, he's, um, uh, uh, a product of all of that is he like is he better understood sort of like a noriega or a, or hussein you know uh, a guy who built his career being very close to the power structure certainly through his family um tied to um what's his name the, the attorney Cone, who was uh, worked with um mccarthy uh ray his, what's that ray Cone. Ray Roy Cohn, and you know that family connection is makes very clear uh, a strong political tentacles into um, all of that and where that leads. Uh, of course, McCarthy's uh, disastrous fall from grace. But was he also, as it were, a useful tool? Um, uh, uh, but Trump, you know, is he like Hussein Noriega? Uh, and, and others, uh, you know, um, uh, freelance opportunist, um, uh, your, your dog to hunt with if you got the money and position him 
and, and always aware he could be set up Epstein style, uh, but reckons he's smarter, faster, quicker, Saddam Hussein, you know, uh, to, to stay ahead of the puppet master. And when the time is right, um, assert you're being your own man um, and, and, be, and, and freelance into your own platform. And, 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 you know, whoops, you got too far off the farm and we're going to have to take you out. Uh, you knew the rules. We agreed. That's the way it was going to go. Right. Very close to the Clintons. Yeah. And whether it was, whether it was a, apocryphal or a false leap, but that he was encouraged by Bill to get into the, the 2020. Why would Bill want Trump head to head with Hillary? What would be so we could tease out and go there and any number of logical reasons, but what was the what was the fly on the wall takeaway from that conversation? Mm -hmm. Trump had run serious, uh, had threw blocks downfield politically for the Clintons for their omnibus crime bill with the Central Park Five um, uh, uh, conspiracy of if ever there was to uh, allegation that there was a rape that um, was didn't happen as alleged. In fact, they were all innocent. Uh, and DNA evidence proved it. Trump, Trump took that all the way. Full page ad the New York Times saying, you know, uh, electric chair would be too good for them. Um, so this was fanfare uh, from, right, whatever, you know, at that point, Trump was not Republican. So you can't say from the right exactly. You know, it was from it was from much more the middle precincts of of you know um, crime uh, being a threat and the and and you want to call it dog whistling, you want to call it whatever. It, it, there it was, and the Clintons uh, moved swiftly into that direction. Uh, 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 more Republican than Republican, as it were, always the plan, um, as it were. Um, much more to unpack. But who this guy is really, to me, has always been the question. And and what he's really about, you know, he's the guy has lost almost certainly more money than he's ever made. Um, that's not really saying much. Uh, but how what he's actually worth is. Um, uh, notice doesn't get is has nowhere been clearly established, and it could easily be established. Um, what he's really worth in the face of extraordinary debt, lawsuit failures, and so on. Uh, but it's it it hasn't been. And there's been a conspiracy of silence, so that to maintain what exactly? If, if you want to defrock the guy, um, defrock him for all of his pretense that he was a successful businessman. You know, contract bad faith uh, with um, so many contractors and subcontractors in his building. You know, he, I, I, you know, he's he's very well known for all of this. And so to say that this guy is anything but a huckster uh, is really a stretch. And yet, you know, he was a phenom in 1920. In 1920, in 2020, he was a phenom. I remember being mesmerized by how handily. He took out the Republican uh, 
the Republican uh, uh, nominees, uh, delegate, not as it were, uh, candidates. When we talk Democrats, we're talking delegates. Um, but to take out the 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 candidates so handily rhetorically was extraordinary. Oh, you mean like twenty fifteen and sixteen? Yeah. That was. I'm sorry. That's all the way back to 2016. Mm -hmm. um, he was. He was. It was extraordinary. What he. Did, you know. Amazing. Sorry. Thank you. And um, he. Uh, I mean, it's hard for me to think he's been around that long. I think it's sort of like, <laughs> really, this guy's still around. Yeah? This hustling fraud. He says. I mean, one of the that's very studied about him is uh, very careful about him is how little he actually says. He says almost nothing, almost nothing. I haven't seen the Tucker interview, but I've seen enough that there is, he says almost, it's, it's extraordinary. Um, and, and then he'll occasionally drop a bomb and be provocative. And, and you know, but it's it goes pretty much nowhere. Now, to get, give credit where credit is due, he didn't start any new war as president, which is pretty extraordinary. The pressures that he would be under and facing to do so, unrelenting. Now, for that matter, again, I'll never know. But how much of what are they're doing to him is is what they did to the character assassination of Trump is analogous with the mortal assassination of John F. Kennedy and Robert Kennedy. You know, is this you know fifth generation warfare uh, counterpart to what they did then? With live rounds, it, it is it is that what's happening here, you know, um, uh, or to what extent is he just anticipating his next move with all this favor? And speaking of which, right, his popularity is 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 every bit as high as ever, if not more. And so, I, to me, it's management a spectacle. You know, the the Trump Trumplicans are more dug in by every account that I've read than ever. Than ever, which is saying something because they were pretty damn dug in from the beginning, you know. And um, this gives all the much more fanfare to the everything nominally Democrat Party, and there for which there is no there there uh, other than vilification of a very old playbook against Russia, very old playbook against Russia. And now on top of that, the orthodoxies of COVID, that COVID imposed on us and that global warming, anyone who thinks the right way understands what doesn't need talking about. Mm -hmm. and, and for which Kennedy figures as problematic at best, fascist at worst. Kennedy. You know, I mean, this is so, this is so beyond Orwell in, in it is sort of the, the, it's astonishing for anyone over 40, <laughs> I think, to have any kind of vista back. It's astonishing. Mm -hmm. The reversal, the complete reversal. It really started under Clinton with the Democrat Party. You could say you go back to you could go back to deals the 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 befuddlement of the Carter administration, really. I, you could say that the the beginnings of the breakdown of the Democratic compact with labor, 
was then for all sorts of reasons. It, it, Jimmy or Bill um, Bill Clinton force magnified that in spectacular mm -hmm. ways, and now here we are at the tail wag end. Uh, decades later, a couple decades later, with with Biden, um, of all people, you know Biden who goes back as a fixer for uh, the Republican agenda of the Democratic Party from the very beginning of his career. That's been the sole purpose of Biden's career is to launder what had been a Republican, you know, sort of, uh, you know, business roundtable agenda, launder that to work into, right? And this, what Bill Clinton did with spectacular alacrity, um, got to give credit where credit's due. But Biden is the final, right? And the, the COVID is the, is the force magnifier of that orthodoxy, of that compliance, and that utter break with labor, that complete and utter break with labor. So um, you'll have much more school people to talk with than myself on all this, but I am I, I'm I'm struck by um, it's 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 bedeviling. Trump then plays this remarkably too perfect role as a polarizer. It's too perfect. And I, early on, I was telling, I was back when I was active in community uh, in Facebook before COVID, before the censorship really, and the algorithms and the, and the getting knocked out really kicked in to Facebook with COVID. Um, uh, the throttling, it, it, it was lively. Uh, and in the, in the, in the, in those years, this is sort of 2016 to 20 years was, was pretty lively. It's too perfect. He's too perfect. Trump is Trump's antagonisms are too as if made to order. He does way more for the Democrats should should genuflect before the demigod of Donald all things Donald Trump for what he has done to consolidate the not much and less all the time that the Democrat Party has to offer. Uh, so it was too perfect to me. And his ties going way back to the Clintons as a as a kind of uh, as a kind of, in a kind of mob lieutenant way, serving their purposes is too perfect. You look at where this guy comes, it's just all too seamless. And um, he was anything but reliable in COVID. Um, anything but reliable. He was fundamentally a sellout, um, essentially a sellout. At uh, the front end of it, when he was there on the days with Fauci and and sec second guessing the vaccines, you know, well, there is hydroxychloroquine. Yeah, well, but I mean, that was this sort of weird aporia. But it was it, what it really was, was Trump signaling his base that he's a guy that you can count on to call stink on vaccines in a hot. But then absolutely goes no, nowhere, uh, worse than nowhere. He endorses the rollout. So. I got don't have much much to say here. I guess, I, but I, I that the phenom is something that has to be uh, interrogated uh, because um, it's not going to go away. And on one hand, Kiko, true confessions. Um, I want a mobilized base as big as it can be against the um, the truly fascistic uh, totalitarian. Um, aspirations of the Dem all things Democrat at this point. I mean, I, I truly want a flank. I don't care who it is. <laughs> I, want oh, a, yeah, yeah. I want a flank that is numerical enough 
that the establishment cannot knows that it cannot be and will have to accommodate. Um, I, 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 you know, and I see the writing on the wall everywhere that, you know, triggers up the Trumpicans for all, for very good reasons. I just wish there was an alternative to the huckster fraud snake oil that he is. Oh, but there is, right? There's Robert Kennedy, who, um, whatever one thinks, what anyone thinks of what might, might be untoward influences that linger or his position on Israel, for instance, which is sort of inexplicable uh, given this guy's otherwise extraordinary discernment in other matter, my opinion, um, uh, is, is beguiling. Uh, uh, and and will he right? Is he just moving the Overton window just only so far back? You know, in, in pulling it back only so far where we still remain gaslit. We'd still remain gaslit. I'm kind of like it's such an, a moot point. If if half of what Bobby Kennedy uh, claims uh, he wishes to achieve, um, he actually does wish a fraction of which he could. He's worlds apart from everyone else. <laughs> I, I, it's right. Um, Ramaswamy is interesting for how um, a page out of Trump he takes, but with um, really far more alacrity and far more Teflon, I think, in a way, because he's a credible guy in many ways, where Trump is just incredible or uncredible. Uh, Ramaswamy. I, I, but I, another conversation maybe. I, he's clearly playing out of the deck of Trump and almost certainly making a bid for a cabinet position with Trump from the debate, right? Which he did an extraordinary job with. Extraordinary. Um, so I just saw snippets because I can't take for the whole of any of this stuff anymore. So there's that. It, clearly, Trumpism to I think where you're going is a phenom. Um, uh, a cultural trope uh, and uh, that is um, deep and you know sort of carved a niche into the into our um, symbolic times and I I I I feel like I it's very clear why on the one hand uh, but it's also it's like you talk to people I I I got a friend of mine that I talk with who's very Trump. And on the one end, we can talk about all sorts of things, Kiko, you and I talk. And he is a businessman. Um, he's uh, older than me. Uh, he's very, he's, he's, a, he's a genteel guy. Uh, we belong to the same, go to the same gym. And and he's, he's, uh, he's, all of that, he's 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 you know he's uh, knuckling up for what's coming. He's buying all the ammo he can in Arizona because it's been made difficult, more and more difficult in California. Yeah, he's that guy, you know. He's he's and but he's otherwise he's also a very reasonable guy in sizing up very much what we're what we're sizing up here, and far more so than my PhD colleagues. Far more so. He's far more curious, far better sort of read in um, the news, far better, far more attentive 
in um, sort of the realities on the ground um, than anyone I work with. I have to, right, that's who I could have more conversation with in fundamental ways than any colleague I have at this point and feel less at risk and myself actually learn something about, well, where'd you get that? What, right? And inevitably, it comes back to, you know, you know, you know, God, God, here's hoping Trump, right? And I want to say to Bob, Bob, you do know he was a Democrat because Bob is a kind of lifetime Republican, right? Bob, you do know that he was, you know, was a Democrat, huh? You know, so you, you kind of short, I can short circuit him. Uh, and, but there it is. So what is this Elan and allure that Trump, which is nominally dangerous, I mean, it's, it's, you know, what he triggers up going back to the omnibus crime bill is the same old dog whistle stuff on the one hand. On the other hand, though, he is, he is, he is also anti-establishment. He's right-wing anti-establishment, but you, he cannot be, whatever he really is, can't be dismissed. (laughs) It's, it's, you know, it's hundred plus million people. Uh, you can't dismiss back to where we open. You know, wherever hundred plus million people are going in a hurry, you don't want to be. Um, so, what are, what other option do people have? That's the question. I'm kind of um, that's the curiosity, also the skepticism that I have because um, I've listened to and I agree with pretty much um, a lot of what you're saying. Um, I, I know that I know for a fact that Trump is a deep state puppet. Um, how do you convince people of that? You can't because if you're a Trump supporter, then you're automatically contradicting your premise. So you can't confess part of the deep state because then you'll yeah. be admitting that you're full of it. So, so yeah. that's the tough part. And um, just the, the interview with Tucker. I didn't watch most of it because I already knew what was going to be said because Tucker asked these softball-ass questions, not trying to probe and criticize Trump because he's a Trump supporter, which is fine, but support someone, but at least, like, where's the journalistic integrity when you're not asking about Julian Assange, who's the most prominent political prisoner now, but it's because your Trump administration had a chance to to, um, pardon him he chose not to pardon Assange because yeah. his secretary of state, um, Pompeo, is the reason why Assange is in Belmar's prison in the first place because of the so, Vault 7 and all the stuff that Assange that's right. had Thank against you for So he automatically has ties with the deep state. And, and a lot of his supporters would say, Trump, the people who he's surrounded by, I'm saying, I'm saying, you think he's that dumb to not know who's in his cabinet, and to not know who's pulling strings in certain avenues. And so, Trump is smart at that. He has a way of connecting with the base, but also releasing itself from the blame, just like the COVID stuff. I mean, this was under him that it was expedited. That's but, right. But his speed. followers are giving him a pass. I'm like, yeah. well, what? <laughs> yeah. That's right. Thank you for both those connections, Assange and Warp Speed. Um, the, Along those lines, to flip, so Kennedy, yeah, I'd be curious your your take on you know how 
to what extent you would you consider his is certainly an extremely coherent, articulate critique. It, it's it's whereas Trump is bloated platitudes, Kennedy is surgical and incisive. Um, your take on his authenticity, where he's compromised, where you see. Yeah. Are you asking me? I'm asking you. I'm interviewing yes, you now. Um, just like with any politician, um, there's going to be blind spots, but um, that's actually been too fair to the politicians. Politicians are innately um, corrupt at this point in this political system that we have to work with. They have to be corrupt to be a part of this system because until we have significant um, I don't even know if reform is enough at this point with just the way it's rigged against anyone that um, comes from the actual people, like the sentiment from the people. And I know that there's um, reverberation of the people, but to me, reverberation is not the same as the actual person being involved. I think what we're seeing with candidates now being reflected is a reverberation of the people, but not the actual people. And I think Kennedy comes from that tradition of he also has a legacy his family has a legacy but kennedy again is running under the false premise that you can change the democratic party from within which is absolute bullshit in my opinion that you can't change corruption from within um i i think that's a good i think if that's his intention is um it's honorable but it's also very, very um, deceptive um, from my standpoint, just because I think we've seen this try to be done before, which it can't be done before. But see, you would have to be operating under my premise that the two parties are just captured at this point by corporatism. And there's nothing that anyone from either party can do about that corporatism yeah. and that corruption. Yeah. But yeah. Um, the Israel thing for me is almost um, it's just it's a tough thing because you have to kiss Israel, Israel's ass to be a part of either of the parties. Like, that's yeah. just that's just the way it's yeah. set up. We actually talked about this two days ago with the presidential candidate that's running, and she was unwilling to go after the Israel issue like me, um, running as an independent. She's running unaffiliated, Brittany Jones, in the state of Oregon. But she says she doesn't know a lot about it, but I was explaining to her that APAC is one of the largest lobbies in Washington. And if you go to Open Secrets, you can see that the money the APAC donates to both parties. And Israel's issues are heard through and through. The Israeli lobby is undeniable at this point. Um, it's almost untouchable. And anybody that insinuates going outside of the system to do something about it is also under threat, um, a legitimate threat. I think Cornell West, he may get 1% nationally. Um, I think a lot of my friends are delusional, and I'm not trying to be mean, but Cornell West, I know, I've known about him for a long time, but he's only going to be able to garner so much support because people are going to be sucked in to um, either the populist right, the neocon Bush people who unwillingly may support Trump because they don't want to support um, the Biden and his corrupt um, side as well. I mean... It's just, it's absolutely crazy to me. Like, what is a Democrat and Republican at this point? Like, what well, what matters do they even make at this point? Because yeah. it's like almost like the same kind of, um, I don't know, it's hard to explain to people that 
is pretty much the same. So Kennedy this comes is, in the mix is almost like they're not even going to let him debate. Apparently, they're not going to let Williamson debate. No. So, so, so then the question is how. But the question is how much. Back to this sort of theme that I'm extracting between us is this authenticity notion. My take on on this. First of all, you know, I'm with Greenwald that we're really talking establishment and anti-establishment. You're you're nominally Democrat, you're nominally Republican, but you're so you're so captured by everything from APAC to Big Pharma to you're so utterly compromised um, by the military industrial and its tentacles into biotech and biomed and it's morphing in into full spectrum uh, everything um, internet of bodies so many Agent Smiths you're you're you're, you're there are those there, Cynthia McKinney from Georgia, who's been consistently anti-establishment uh, and and forever. Um, is she in and out of office? I don't know where she's at at this point. Oh no, she's a pariah now. They don't even mention her anymore. Like she's she yeah. lives in Bangladesh now, and so she's she, in okay. Bangladesh. Didn't and she have I'm two runs in Congress? She had a couple runs. Of, I mean, she held office. Uh, House of Reps for yeah, six times, six times, there you go. So that's a record. Um, what's my point? I mean, sort of inveterately, courageously anti-establishment uh, and, and defiant, and so nominally, I, nominally Democrat. So back to Kennedy. Uh, I have a theory about Kennedy. Tragic legacy. However, you want to. Whatever you want to think about the Kennedys, you have two assassinations in one family. Uh, you have to you have to accept tragedy is a, a feature of that experience. And um, I think that he is um, very aware of what that means in American history. I think he's very extremely studied as well. Um, I think in his own biography, his struggles with addiction and identity and um, his him becoming himself, uh, becoming human, um, uh, are, cannot be dismissed uh, blithely and or, you know, sort of, yeah, can't. I, I don't think there's any reducing Kennedy's biography to any cliche at all. Um, and I I think there's a lot there uh, that explains him. I think I would dare say that with respect to the guy, and I have a lot of respect for him, full disclosure, as I as I know him. And I'm I'm not, you know, either of us are not far from him by way of degrees of separation because what all the podcasts he's done, we know someone that he's we either know someone he's directly that he's podcasts with or so we know someone is it right. Um and uh, I think that his um, attachment to the Democratic Party has something to do with his own journey of redemption. Yeah, I, I think that he, to him, redemption is is what saved his life. Uh, and I don't. I just, it's it's like such a clunky word. It's so loaded. Redemption, right? It sounds so cloying and hortatory. And I don't mean that. I mean that um, it's the only word I can come up with to explain what otherwise doesn't really add up. 
you know, he says that the Democratic Party of his youth is the one he wants to restore. He, he says all of this, but but reasonably to your point, you know, anyone, so many people who otherwise are confident, have confidence in him, uh, faith in him, are, are like, are you kidding? And advisors and so on. And he's been very steadfast. And I think it's very genuine. I think it has to do with his biography, um, inextricably bound to the, the party and world history. Uh, his grand, his uncle died, arguably for whatever were all of the uncle's flaws and, and deep state connections himself. He was killed uh, because he was a traitor to his class. Uh, and he signaled that that he was his own guy in the face of a then military industrial complex that would would take no prisoners. And he knew it. And he knew he was walking the line of, of execute. He knew it like Martin Luther King would in different ways and in different trajectories, but both knew it. Malcolm X knew it too, almost certainly. What, what's the point? Um, you, you know, then his father, then his father killed, uh, right? For hewing in some ways, even more so to that line because Bob, John F. Kennedy was never a populist. And I think any historian would, or biographer would characterize him that way. He was much more a systems guy, much more technocratic, much more, you know, this sort of best and brightest generation kind of, you know, and you hear his speeches uh, to that effect, you know, it's it's clear. Uh, but Bobby Kennedy, no, Bobby Kennedy after JFK's death was in a, in some ways again cliche reborn, and um, I, and his his of course a political animal, very very political. Yeah, Bobby was Bobby was staffer to McCarthy on the in the Army McCarthy hearings. He was a staffer. He was a he was a diehard Cold Warrior. Mm-hmm. So I have a so. Um, and he's killed by the state because you know anyone in my book, anyone who gets assassinated by the state, you know, that isn't a hit to settle a score or right, is doing something right. Um, and 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 Bobby Kennedy Jr. has had to reconcile with all of that. He's had to figure out what was it that they why were they killed, really? Because he knows all the dirt about his uncle and his father, almost certainly he knows the dirt. He knows they could have been killed for any number of reasons, uh, by you know, from jilted lovers to whatever you know, husbands of jilted lovers to or, you know, the mobsters pissed off at the betrayal of Bobby in the of them for what they did for the '60 election, as the old story goes, right? You you know, going after them after all they did and they had done for generations for the Democratic Party, you know, really you're gonna go after them. I mean, it's so it's it's that and more. And but he's had the Bobby Kane Jr. has had to figure this shit out. And then in the face of his despair that because his, he was so close to his father and his story of what is what his father meant to him, again, his learning disabilities as a youth and how is how much he depended on his father's love and belief in him to overcome those. And then uh, essentially an addict from when he was 14 to 28. Um, uh, and even on the on the uh, on the streets at some point, Kennedy, you know what he's had, to, what he's gone through. You know, it's it's it can't be dismissed as sloganeering, and it's, it just can't. 
And I think that his attachment to the Democratic Party is inextricably tied to his own path of redemption uh, and authentication of himself, and that he can't let go, just as he can't let go of that, and to hear him say it, at least one AA meeting a day, you know, if not two in one day. This is how devoted this guy is to recovery. And um, that he's, he's, you know, the party represents him something that if he could save that, he can save anything, and he will have finally saved himself. I may be a stretch. This may be a stretch. Uh, but to me, the layers are deep and profound and singular. You cannot, this is not, you know, yes, many people have struggled with addiction. Yes, many people have come from, a home shattered by violence. Yes, and yes, 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 yes. This is yes. All of it on the orders of magnitude. Ah, uh, uh, yeah, it's different, unique. To me, that explains this. This yeah, and the Israel thing. Uh, that's a longer discussion. I want to check in with you on the time, uh, my friend. Though, yes, we're, um, we're we got about hours. fifteen minutes left, but no, um. It's, it's more so the, the um, system. And honestly, I think you may be a little bit more inclined to um, having hope in electoralism than, than me. I, I would actually argue that electoral politics is very low on my priority list at this point. But um, oh. I platform a lot of people um, about electoral politics because they have other great ideas. And, um, and I think that they have a genuine interest in trying to help build a more um, coherent and um, genuine electoral process that we have. And and I want that. I just know that we're not going to get it at this point if we don't have some kind of a, a massive seismic shift in psyche um, and be serious about changing um, the Federal Election Commission and changing the rules that are already in place, which why would either party want to make it fair because then that would ensure their loss of power. And they say it a lot of times themselves, you pretty much heard, even Trump, any person that's running under a party banner has at one point or the other said, we need a strong opposition to us. And what do they mean? They mean the Democrat or the Republican. Pelosi has said it, Biden has said it, Trump has said it, on the record of having the importance of having a strong, <clears throat> excuse me, a strong opposition. And what do they mean by that? To keep the system the way it is. They're not talking about third party people or anything like that. They're talking about no, the no, red and the blue lot. team. Like, you know, I, so this is all establishment stuff and, and trading deals under the table and back. It's all establishment stuff. But I think that fits pretty well as a moniker for what your lament is for like four politics. To be clear, too, for me, no confidence whatsoever. I, I think that the the only hope in politics and it's it's slim is local in its school boards, its city councils, its town councils, its commissions. It, it, the only those are still open nominally, especially in the smaller uh, jurisdictions. And why do I say that? Because you can sh a lot of what happens uh, from the top down is carried out at the local level. 
And if you and a place to monkey wrench that is local office. And it's a it's a if nothing else, it's a bully pulpit um, that is that is largely beyond the glare, reach and attention of uh, the big the big players. Now, there are they 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 keep an eye on everything. The Panopticon keeps an eye on everything uh, and they can flood the zone with money at any given time. Uh, but the farther you go local, the more it's just, it's too much to control. It's too many channels. Um, and so they try, the establishment focuses on the, on the large volume channels, the hundred million channels is what they're focused on. And that leaves degrees of freedom, an awful lot of degrees of freedom at the local board levels. Okay. That's for what it's worth, not to be pen, uh, in here, but I think that's the only, for me, Kennedy it could signal a cultural shift in outlook and perspective and willingness to ask questions and you know his performance at the at the hearings on censorship was pretty spectacular mm -hmm. um the the you gotta i must hand it to the republicans i must absolutely have i mean my faith is restored in at least the alacrity of these players to nail down an argument and to um to uh, set a trap for their opponents, in this case, the Democrats. And because the Democrats came out flailing and never stopped flailing, looked absolutely absurd. It was a spectacular profile in the collapse of any legitimacy whatsoever, including their own witness from the ACLU, uh, waffling on uh, a very simple question of what role the government has. The ACLU waffling on what role the government should play in determining um, it, you know, sort of a censorship and uh, the ACLU waffling on that. This was theater that I, of a kind I have never seen before, and I'm grateful for it. I never think I'd say I'm grateful for political theater. I am grateful for this because it was an opening of sorts. That hearing was an opening of sorts uh, where the, anyone watching and the repost and so on could make pretty clear um, that there is there are there is something significant to talk about when it comes to um, defamation and censorship and and suppression on the channels of critical information for the good of the public welfare. And that that was that was remarkable, and and I I'm like I never thought I'd see the day where I'd say something Congress did was anything other than mostly spectacular bullshit. So um, I, for what it's worth, we didn't never got around. The, I don't want to check. I want to check in the other make black or any, I don't know what I, I want. To, is there something in particular you wanted to talk about that piece or? No, we're going to have to save it for um, a, a third interview because I, I definitely I want to. I got a couple more questions for you with this. I'm not going to let you off the hook. <laughs> Um, I have a question about RFK. Um, yeah. So my question to you, and I'm not saying that you even, um, I'm not exposing you as far as like who you're um, going to vote for or anything like that. But let's just say that RFK, he doesn't win the nomination for the Democrats. What's the next step? Um, and another question I have, hypothetically, if he did win the Democratic nomination and ultimately won the presidency, what does it look like after his term is over? Do we just go back to square one again? Or does he actually, or is it just like a burning movement 2.0 or 3.0 where people shift for a while and then it's like, it just fizzles out. 
Yeah, I, he's no he's no Bernie. Bernie is a complete fraud. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's definitely. <laughs> he's a complete fraud. He's a spineless fraud. Um, <laughs> and and whatever Bobby Kennedy is in his entirety, spineless and fraud is not what I would how I would describe his weaknesses, his blind spots as I see him. You know, as if I'm one to comment. The, the, I want to back up a bit what we were talking about, uh, Tucker and Trump. Um, I really like what um, what um, Glenn Greenwald said in response to in a Paul Bet David uh, uh, exchange uh, over, you know, who does he vote for? Um, uh, that David put it to him. So who, who are you going to, who, who's your dog in this race? You look. And he made the point, I, I haven't voted um, since, you know, essentially uh, his career as a journalist. Um, and he said that my reason for that is very principled was it simply compromises me. Um, I can't maintain fidelity to uh, the code of impartiality if I become uh, too attached, much less if I declare my attachments. So, but he said straight up, he has not voted in since that. Uh, for what it's worth, vis-a-vis Tucker, because I do think Tucker is compromised absolutely by his sort of what becomes fawning and it's absurd. Trump is such a flawed vessel. It's 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 it's, it's astonishing. So there's that. Um, with regard to what what the hypotheticals on Bobby Kennedy, um, it, there's no chance he'll get the nomination. It's utterly rigged through the super delicate um, uh, structure and rules that the DNC's adopted. It's it there's it's impossible. Um, I like actually uh, Kim Iverson's take on what's going to happen, um, that they're going to maneuver Biden out at the last minute and he will win the nomination handily, uh, both by hook and crook. Um, and uh, he will at the uh, convention uh, the drop the bomb that he's too old and or uh, has other matter he must tend. Yeah, and that he needs to hand the mantle over and Gavin Newsom will be the heir apparent and who's been groomed now for some time to step in. And what will happen is, is that <clears throat> there will be no time to dispute what is to be done. The delegates will roll over to Newsom uh, and will be very carefully staged. Uh, Newsom is a piece of creepy work and fraudulent everything if ever there was. Um, so he's a perfect fit. He's telegenic. Um, he's World Economic Forum. Um, he's lockstep. He's lockstep totalitarian uh, sentiments. He is elite through and through. Um, he's a despicable human being, really, uh, and every every creepy crawly way. He is uh, Trudeau. He's a Californian Trudeau. Utterly despicable people. Um, I'll say that on air. I have no problem saying it. He he, but he's here apparent. And um, it, that's what I think. I think Iverson. I don't know if she's the first to call it, but I I I think she's quite canny and astute, and um, she's an honest uh, reporter. And I, I I I don't think she's gleaning this from elsewhere. I think that's her call, and I think it's sharp. Bobby Kennedy doesn't have a chance in the face of any of that, so he's only a cultural movement, really. Um, if hypothetically he were to find himself in there, it would be miraculous. Something truly, a collapse would truly have had to have happened that would, that I, I can't imagine exactly how that would materialize, right? Um, it, it's, uh, you know, what's not, well, yeah, 
there was some talk when DeSantis still had a chance, and I think his chances are shot, um, that uh, he's waffled too much on Ukraine. He's waffled too much. He's, 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 he's not good on his feet. He's awkward. I thought he was fantastic as Republican during COVID in Florida. Um, and his, uh, his um, Surgeon General, actually a Democrat from California who he brought out, um, is you have to hear an interview with him. I can't recall where I heard it. Um, remarkable interview of his background and his position and all of that. Uh, okay, what's my point? There was some talk about um, when DeSantis still had some juice um, that Bobby Kennedy might be in a, a cabinet member choice for DeSantis. Um, it, interesting, you know, and I, but it, it didn't, it had no legs and DeSantis legs are being knocked out in this. I don't think he's going to go anywhere. Um, but Kennedy's future, you know, the children's health defense and, and maybe possibly he's not so old, right? He's 69, mm. another run in 28 when shit is even far worse than it is now. I mean, I think that he's, he'll uh, almost certainly he'll run again. Um, yeah, he's nowhere near as wealthy as people would think of the Kennedys. Their wealth has dissipated tremendously over the two generations with large families. So uh, he's not a big money player at all. Um, but he's he's got name uh, and he's got platforms and he's got access uh, to all sorts of venue um, that's you know nominally pirate signals, but with lots of listeners, Joe Rogan, um, you know, Russell Brand, uh, and Jimmy Dore, much smaller, but and so on and so on and so on and so forth too. You know, the um, the venues that you mentioned earlier, forget the name, hip hop guys. I saw that part of that interview, um, and that was interesting. There's no chance, and you know. I don't think he deludes himself into thinking there is, but he nor can he nor can he get up every day and say it's hopeless. No, none of us can. <laughs> no, but I guess I guess what I'm getting at is he's he's marking himself as a Democrat. So is he going to ultimately support the Democratic nominee that gets chosen? So this is <clears throat> this is the question. And why among other reasons, very tactical, simple response to why he's Democrats, because he, he gets he gets he's in the primary. No, it, independent, you don't get in the primary. So um, it, uh, that's, uh, that's a major tactical uh, issue is that he can start his campaign and get in primary, in, in the primary gauntlet and get profile and media and attention. People pay attention to him at least as much as um, uh, Marianne Richardson. So who's been out there a gadfly candidate for you know the last at least 10 years, I believe. So. Um, uh, I, you know, there's that, and and it, will he support, endorse? Um, you asked me personally. I'm going to tell you in our final minutes. Absolutely not. Uh, Kennedy is not. He, if, if he doesn't, that's my call. No, he he's not going to endorse a candidate because it's the party against all else against Republican. Right? This it would hard to be imagined on the record because he said that he's as proud of pulling Republican voters as he is of pulling anyone Democrat. He's on record saying he's proud that a Trump President Trump considers him a genuine guy with a lot to offer. He's, I paraphrase, but he, he's, he says he's proud. So hard to imagine that a guy with pride would say be all in for anything party, uh, given that you know, 
he's out to redeem that party. You know, so a party that has not demonstrated to him, I think he's given himself out. And and I think he's actually extremely smart guy. I don't think he's just accomplished and precocious and and gifted and all that. I think he's extremely sharp. And uh, and I think he has an, an intuition and instinct for politics that, that being in the in in it so close to it, right? That's not second to none, but it's right up there. And so he is he has established that what he's out to do is redeem this. If it does not redeem, and he's been so out there with this, if it has not redeemed itself, he has no reason to endorse anything. Yeah. So I, that's how I see it. And I know that, that people have sort of put him on the spot. I think it's kind of a miss. I get the question, but I think it it, it misplaces what it, 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 it misconstrues what he's doing. I think the question kind of misses that point. Um, I think the point taken is, would he consider independent in the general? He's already right? seen in Sarah. And he said no. Not. He said absolutely not, that he won't. And so that means, I think this is the fundamental point you're asking, that he basically has set himself up for failure and all of his supporters for a foregone disappointment. Tulsa Why Gabbard, I mean, Tulsa Gabbard had to endorse Biden. Heard the DNC contract or whatever she was talking, because she has a book that's coming out um, in a couple of months about why she left the Democratic Party. And um, even Tulsi, you know, she's an independent now, but is that going to be RFK? Is he just going to be, his, is he going to declare himself an independent after the Democratic Party shafts him like they shafted Bernie and everyone else before? I don't think so. I don't know the account. I'd like to hear more of this account of Tulsi and what she had to, to I mean, endorsements are so cheap, you know, mm-hmm. they're so, they're so coerced. They're like bend the knee in Game of Thrones, you know, yeah. when you bend the knee and, and, the, and everyone's like, yeah, I'll bend the knee, but my fingers are crossed behind my back, you know, I mean, it's, <laughs> it just, uh, it, it's really doesn't add up to much. I mean, it's like, you know, endorsing Biden, I mean, and again, I, 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 I'm, I'm sort of with, we'll come back and yeah, We'll keep talking, but I don't. I don't think Don Biden's going to be in. There's too many. There are a lot of signs indicating. First of all, they've let that they're leaking out the the Hunter stuff is getting mm-hmm. leaked, getting leaked out, right? And that's that's taint that he can't escape. That it's it's out. that his befuddlement is is a running joke. Uh, it's it, and and that's that's what it's worrisome from the standpoint of the finger on the trigger. Yeah, to say the least, right? Mm-hmm. The gaffes are just, I mean, the butt of jokes in ways that uh, Gerald Ford never was that, right? Right, the Gerald Ford, right, he would be prone to fall, you know, fell a couple times and and, that, and it ruined his career, what was left of it. Um, so uh, Chevy Chase playing with that back, back in SNL days, 1.0. Now I'm really dating myself. So, but he, that Biden, I mean, it's, un, it's, specta- it's spectacular. Um, so I don't, I think there's, I actually, I, I, I've been wondering, but after hearing Iverson hash it out, I think it's a very strong point that they're going to bait switch of the century is coming at the uh, convention. Well, Professor, we're, we're actually going to, if we can have you back on relatively soon, because 
there's a lot more that I want to talk about, not just even the two articles, just this conversation uh, has been so stimulating. And there's just there's more I want to talk about as far as Trump was concerned. And and even um, you said Kim Iverson a lot. Um, I have followed her some over the years. And um, she she was another one of those Tulsi adjacent people. Um, so I follow these people like Hawks, um, all these creators and journalists and Greenwald and all of them. And um, and, it's, and I'm not a hit on them. Uh, you have to kind of look at everyone at different angles. You have to keep an eye on all all of these people. But um, we have to we have to really be skeptical, not only of um the whole establishment, but just um question things in general, even people that you look up to. And it's like, I urge my audience to do that. And it's a hard thing to do. It doesn't mean that you're undermining them. It just means that you have to question what they're saying too, because everyone has an agenda. I take and, your point. Um, I'm, I'm constantly trying to read where where are the Iversons and the, and the brands and whomever winking at the establishment. And I'm always looking to be where is the wink? Where did they where do they where is there the slightest whiff of being gaslit by them? Now I understand enough about how the media works, uh, Kiko, that I, how uh, and, and I, I can I think I, I think I comprehend the craft that they're bringing to what they do that is quite careful. You know, I, I, a, a pessimist could see that as gaslighting and don't look over here. Uh, I hesitate to call myself an optimist, and no one I know would call me one. Uh, I'm inclined to decipher for the 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 art, the artfulness and craft they bring in a Socratic way to not to not reveal Plato's cave outright, uh, right. but to <laughs> right, but to but to induct you in and bring you around in this kind of gosh, you know, like Kim Iverson is way smarter is my read of her, then she lets on. She has a kind of, oh gosh, kind of manner about her, um, but her actually, her um, her chops for um, research and being prepared are quite good. Um, Brand is another, has, in a very different way, is he, because he's a comedian, a uh, whole other different way of styling himself, but that's how he draws people in. Um, he even in selling in hawking his advertisements, he says, "Now wait, you go sit around for this. I do my best to make it funny, and he often does make it funny." You know, I mean, he could sell stuff with a sense of humor, and that it's just product. You know, um, you, I'm paying attention to you. Iverson doesn't; she sells stuff straight up, but um, and it's kind of sad the way that they have to do that. But it's uh, good on you for not doing so. Um, but it's 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 still there's still there's craft there. And it's also it's a portfolio of work. You know, how much where is there? What is the trajectory of their work? Iverson had to leave the hill rising because of COVID. There's just I'm, I had to leave uh, one way or the other. And and so that I I'm like, I'm paying attention to you at this point. Does it mean I completely trust? No. It doesn't mean I admire you. It's it's beside the point whether I admire you. You know, it's it's what I'm paying attention to you now, Tucker Carlson. I'm paying attention to you. You know, uh, as I pay attention to uh, other voices on the right, because 
you know, you're, you're, are you saying something? Are you taking some chances? Um, uh, I'll pay attention. Anyway, you got to go. Yes. Um, beautiful people. I am going to link uh, Matthew Witt's information in the episode description. This was a wonderful episode 53. And like I said before, Matt is probably going to be on relatively soon. I'm talking about within a month or so because we have so many things to cover. And um, I love that Professor Witt has shown love to the forum. And that is um, mutual love because um, I followed some of his work, you know, the short amount of time I've known um, Matthew Witt. And I've loved what I've read. And we're going to continue to have these conversations. And um, beautiful people, enjoy your day. And you as well, Professor Witt. Thanks for being on the show again. And we can't wait to have you back. It's a pleasure. Looking forward, people. Absolutely. See you later. Cheers. I don't know who's next, but hey, we got a line of guests, probably 20 to 30 people lined up for the next few months. So we have a lot in store for the forum. Enjoy your day.